are listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today, Ryan Weiss and Dan John Miller of Tibbs, Inc. Ryan is the writer and director of a new short film called Pack Co., and Dan John Miller is the star of this short film, and they're going to be discussing that. Now, both of these gentlemen are musicians, local musicians, and songwriters. They have both performed here at the Ferndale Library in the past, but over the course of the last four or five years, they have been flourishing this new creative partnership under Tibbs Inc., where they have been doing video production, uh, usually uh, commercial work, working with local businesses, etc. Now, they've been getting ever so closer to creating longer form narrative films. They've done a few shorts, but this is their first big production, premiering April 1st. Pack Co. is the name of the movie, and it is all about a guy who's really having a bad day. He's feeling like he's stuck in a bad job. He's feeling like he's unsure of how he got to be exactly where he is. He's feeling maybe a bit trapped. Pack Co., as you, you will see, heavily involves the aesthetic of squares and rectangles that could be sort of the cube-shaped wooden boxes that are being loaded, or it could just be the rectangular sort of enclosed spaces of the office setting that we're in. It's sort of an exaggerated realism. You don't know exactly what era you are in, and everyone is sort of acting uh, just a little bit off kilter. Just a little bit. It's, it's exaggerated realism. You feel like you know where you are, but it's also atmospheric enough to the point where you might not be sure just what's going to happen next. Patco is the name of the film, as I said, and it is going to be premiering online. Now, these two have a lot to talk about, including how this short film came together, as well as their future plans. Ryan Tibbs Weiss and Dan John Miller, the writer-director and the star of this short film, both musicians as well. They have a lot of different hats when it comes to their creative projects, but Tibbs Inc. is where they are focusing on narrative storytelling through film. So I'm eager to see what they do next and I'm eager for you to see this video. We'll have links to it in the show notes. But this is our chat with Ryan Weiss and Dan John Miller. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff Araya, and thank you for having us here. That was uh, Ryan who spoke first, and definitely Dan John Miller who spoke second. I am so glad that you're both here, both musicians, and both of you have, at one time or another, performed here at this library, so we're very happy to have you, albeit virtually. We're much obliged to be here, and we thank the Ferndale Library and the library associations around the state of Michigan and throughout the country. Um are libraries connected internationally too? No, but they should be. Okay, I'm going to put that on my to-do list. Hold on one sec. Please do. Yeah, do that Tuesday. Okay. Now, while, while Dan works on that, Ryan, tell me about PacCo. This is a short film that is uh, coming out rather soon. Uh, tell me about this. It obviously stars Dan, and we're going to have some info about it in the show notes. But tell me about this film that you made. Yeah, yeah, PacCo. Stars Dan, as you said, and it is about a rather unfulfilled man who works a rather unfulfilled job. One day, something happens to him that kind of enlightens him, if you will, and sparks a little piece of him that he he used to remember. 
and it leads him to an opportunity to maybe change his life. And, and that's, that's sort of the outcome of the film. And he just gets an opportunity that he, he never thought he'd get. And uh, emotion overtakes him. And, and, well, you'll see the twist when you watch it. Yes, indeed. I mean, we, how can we say enough without giving too much away? This gentleman works at a company called Pack. Co. And the uh, production design is really great. It's sort of existing in an office space where it looks like time stopped in 1986, maybe. A lot of wood paneling, a lot of uninspired decor. And this character is having a pretty bad day, maybe even a bad life. Dan, can you tell me about getting into the head of this character and this character in general? Surely. Well, for example, uh, well, yeah, I guess I guess the one thing that uh, Ryan explained to me when he was writing this was just about this character and just that everything it was kind of a Murphy's Law ish feeling where everything that could go wrong was going wrong, but kind of in a small, annoying way, nothing catastrophic. But it was it was really fun to work on. And it came at a great time because uh, I think we shot it last toward the at the end of the summer last year mm-hmm. on a couple different days and uh very covid savvy and careful while we did it but like when the pandemic was going on i was kind of buried in my audio books and we, we were just all kind of you know trying to figure everything out and ryan just said well i'm gonna work on this thing i'm trying to write this thing and he like everything he sets out to do it seems it's very it's very uh it's very fun to watch I don't know, from right next door, which is where I live, but he gets things done. And so he said he was going to write this short. He did it. And then he sent it to me and it changed a couple of times and he narrowed the focus. And then uh, all of a sudden everything was in place. He got it all in place. And a lot of people helped out who uh, we've worked with in in the past on, you know, on other projects, but everybody was, uh, was really generous with their time and their talent from crew and actors and it just all came together so great and i think everybody was really desperate for inspiration and to do something that meant something and we all had to to find that in this and for me when ryan described what he saw for this character i tried to take a little bit of you know some of my past demons and some imaginary ones and some real ones and and kind of conjure that up in my brain which fortunately and unfortunately was was really natural and easy to do so that was good and i think probably because he knows me pretty well that was that that worked out for for both of us and then once we got on uh, got to shooting and everything um it, it just came together in a really nice natural just just frolicking downstream and down a hill and it really came together nicely this guy whose name is vernon i found a lot of myself in vernon and uh it it worked out nice yeah he's a pretty pretty frustrated guy and starting to question a fabric of reality even ryan tell me about writing this because it starts hyper real and then it it gets not to give anything away but it starts to get a bit heavily atmospheric in the middle and toward the end not not even almost surreal but kind of it gets very i found myself watching it saying is this all really happening this is this is strange <laughs> tell me about uh, what inspired this you know when you spoke about era too and i really wanted to make sure that it was kind of an undefined mm-hmm. era i wanted to mix and meld you know a chevy corsica with 2020 and a flip phone and a laptop right next to a typewriter 
you know, wood paneling, just kind of whatever spans the era of working a dead end job. I kind of wanted to cover in the way that it looked and the way that it felt. And, you know, when I was going into it, I, I wrote it from a personal experience. Um, you know, after I had years of touring and really great times on the road and finding success creatively, I took a position with my uncle in California and we moved out there. And I ended up working in a vegetable, fruit and vegetable like shipping market. So from 4 a.m. till 11 a.m., I worked the forklift in a giant refrigerator where I moved to California to wear a winter coat in as I operated. I took my lunch at 7.30 a.m. And I really could only do it for about two months. I, I was just drained completely. It was a position and an opportunity to head west, but it was the worst job I've ever worked. And I love Johnny dearly. But And I went to him. I went to my uncle and I told him and he understood without me saying much more than that, just that, that I needed to express myself creatively and this job just wasn't going to, wasn't going to work out. And so I wrote it from that perspective about being trapped in a position that you, you know, I think as you kind of go through your teens or your twenties, and maybe this happened a little bit more in the last, maybe not, but it seems like people are kind of gravitating towards what they want to do a little bit more. But, you know, growing up, it was kind of, you got to go to college, then you got to get this job that pays. And it doesn't really matter if it fulfills you, if, if it's hiring and it's paying and it's, has benefits, then it's something you should take. I think sometimes people start out at those positions, but as life kind of creeps up on them, you know, it backs them into a corner and then you have, you know, obligations to your family or to your bills that make it really hard to start over somewhere new. So I kind of wrote Vernon from that perspective where he had been there, just taking a, a real ass kicking for the last 20 years. And, and then it kind of cracks, you know, and I think you, you see that unfortunately sometimes with friends or family or even on the news sometimes if it gets that far. But people crack when they're not fulfilled. So that's kind of where I wrote it from. Yeah. This is a character that is cracking, but mm, it, it's expressed through maybe an empowerment. He finds a means of escape maybe. Sure. Yeah. What do you think, Dan, when you're inside this person's head? Well, it's not, you know, it's not a competition, but I think that, uh, for me, one of the things I thought about was when I was the proud, can't remember the title that I had, but I was over there right by the railroad tracks in Royal Oak at the impound lot after uh, we stopped touring the end of the Goober and the Peas era when, and I just needed to get some kind of job and I was doing some substitute teaching. So I found this one in the paper, the old fashioned way. And I was like, okay, somebody to run the impound lot. And so I was in a trailer by the railroad tracks and there was no toilet or anything. So they just told me, if you gotta go to the bathroom, head up to the Burger King. And uh, it was winter time and every day was, all it was, was just people yelling at me and very unhappy people who had either been in a serious car accident where they're, they're coming to get stuff out of their car because their car was totaled or they'd been towed for illegal parking. No matter what, it was a bad situation. And I was just doing the paperwork and the rigmarole and they liked to swear at me. And it was kind of, it was kind of interesting. And I think I just tried to make the best of it. And I never... I never, it never elevated. I had a lot of profanity issued at me and I tried to keep a sense of humor about it and keep everybody calm. But if, had I worked there quite a bit longer, I could see myself becoming a little bit like Vernon and uh, just tried to conjure some of that up. 
and uh you know just just trying to think of what it because it was it was pretty nice that there was nothing you know with a short film just that you can kind of make it what what makes sense to you and so you know Ryan and i would talk about what i was thinking what he was thinking and you know it was, it was kind of the first thing we'd done together that was like a a more a little bit more thought out narrative things and it it really meshed really nicely so we've got some other ideas for turning it in as as ryan mentioned and turning it into something else uh you know in an episodic type thing the other actors that we got you know we were just all friends and everybody really got into that nestled into their characters fine and i think ryan does a great job as a director in terms of being open and listening to people and it's one thing i think it's fine you know because i've worked with directors you know on different projects and if there is something super focused and somebody has complete direction of and drive of what they want that can be fine but it's always great to have have some open-mindedness and to to leave some uh some exits on the freeway open oh my gosh well i could never even ever imagine anyone yelling at you you have a face like a sweetheart dan thank you who could lie i mean i i think that i i've you know i've tried that in a lot of my campaigns for congress and yeah uh, just sort of that uh, they've all failed unfortunately uh, (laughs) well that was something i was going to talk about the uh i sort of mentioned the production design and there is a sequence toward the end where the lighting is really incredible and all of these actors who are in it are equally great just like dan everyone's really doing a great job which i would i would sort of that leads me over to the director tell me about directing all of this uh action and people and lighting and boxes what was that like? I mean, you've been directing things before, but this seems like a really fulfilling project for you. Yeah, the, the first thing, one of the first things that I had really directed was something that I did with with Dan um, called Mike the Barber, which is just a day in the life of this barber who seemingly gives one haircut and that, and then goes home, and that's uh, one haircut to Dan. And that was kind of the first time we had worked together. And a few years later, you know, now after doing a bunch of commercial work and more automotive things, obviously, you know, pointing a camera at a car is a little bit different um, because it looks the same and acts the same um, every take. But Dan was instrumental in the casting that we did for these characters. You know, he had read the script and had just come off a job, I think, with Ann Damon. And he's like, this, this woman has a really great comedic sense about her. Um, really strong timing. And she plays Carol in Pack, And she was just incredible. I mean, she could give me five or six different personalities um, on the spot. So we have a bunch of different takes and different versions of her. As you'll see, we kind of went with a little bit of the Stepford vibe, but she was, she has a, a range that's, that's really great. And then George Packer played by Ryan Carlson, just an absolute sweetheart, hilarious guy. But he plays this asshole boss and does it so well. He's just kind of sweating and yelling and frazzled and just trying to make as much money for the company as he can. It really comes across wonderfully. And especially when they're walking down the hallway together, he just delivered every single time. So directing was made a lot easier because of the wonderful cast that we had. And then working with Tommy DeGuano, DP on the spot, he came with strong suggestions and, and looks and lighting and uh, was a huge part of the way it looks and the way that it feels, you know, and a lot of this is all done on dolly and track. So it's very precise and timing was a huge thing and choreography with the way that lines are delivered. 
So there, there was a lot that went into it, but my job was made a lot easier by the talented people I was surrounded by, for sure. There's a sequence towards the end, speaking of the DP, and I'll just say that it's beautifully lit. You know, we, we shot that two months earlier, and it had a different ending. Oh. Um, and the, the ending was a lot more subdued, and we kind of came back around to it and decided and realized it had to be more dramatic, more embellished, more... Uh, passionate. He had to really want and need to change his life. Yeah. And so when we came back around to, to that particular scene, you know, there were some things that Dan and I spoke about, but a lot of that, you know, Dan improvised on the spot and just really got into this character. And it was just incredible to watch. We didn't really know exactly how it was going to go, but we just had the cameras rolling and um, well, you you'll see it, you know. Given the aesthetic of this film, were there ever any occasions uh, on set where anyone um, made any comment about thinking outside of the box? <laughs> had I been yeah. involved, had I been involved, it would have been day one. <laughs> the whole project was conceived outside of the box for sure. Um, but yeah, just another compliment to to the cast here because having known Dan and his and his history as an actor i was like oh well you know but they're all amazing they all go toe-to-toe with dan i loved it yeah just people that i actually i don't think i'd ever worked with uh ryan carlson although i've known him for a long time but uh i've seen his work before and i knew he would you know that was it was just really the first i think for almost everyone you know where ryan and i were talking about it and i'm like you know i think this guy ryan could do this and this woman, Anne, is really, you know, just, just going through and, and talking about Alex, it. too. And Alex, Alex, I just worked with. And uh, I was just like, you know, that was it. So there were no auditions. And Ryan just kind of trusted me. And then we talked to them, I think, you know, because it was uh, pandemic time. So we talked over, I think, just over Zoom. And then we did the first reading, just like a read through, which was pretty funny because Ryan was pretty giddy because he was like, this is the first time I've written something and heard other people, you know, and seen them kind of, or heard the words. Cause yeah, I guess we weren't physically acting it out, just reading, just doing a kind of a pseudo table read thing. And, and uh, yeah, just everything fit together really nicely. I think. Yeah. We should say that you two both uh, work part of Tibbs Inc where you are doing, and we've kind of hinted at this. We do uh, commercial work and you have done some other sort of smaller projects, but this is, kind of a new new phase for for Tibbs Inc for the two of you as creative partners and you've kind of hinted at this too is that you're maybe hoping that this might have legs for the future just beyond being a short right definitely yeah um, certainly you know I think on on set it kind of was always going to be a short we always intended it to be a short but I think by the end of maybe the second or third day um, everyone was kind of I don't know. Everyone kind of felt like, is there a little bit more to the story? Is there a little bit more to Vernon? And uh, we got that feeling too. And then some of the feedback that we got once the film was pulled together was similar too. I want to learn more about Vernon. I want to learn more about this place or this world. We've been chatting with, with some creative partners and kind of working out what a series might look like. And um, obviously there's a little bit more or a lot more to it in terms of keeping something long-term going. But I think, you know, in the last uh, couple months, we've narrowed it down and have a really good concept in line for what, what a long-term Vernon might look like. Yeah, it seems like this really kind of got you into the groove, though. You are writing your first long form. You're working with actors. It's your first sort of 
bigger project, both writer and director. So you've kind of already hinted at this. So it, this is kind of a big moment, right? So, and the film itself is very mesmerizing. Another aspect of it that is mesmerizing that we haven't yet talked about is the music. Very entrancing. Yeah, I, I think, you know, coming from both Dan and I coming from heavy music backgrounds, some scenes I knew going into it, which style or what even to what song I might use for those particular scenes. And that kind of helped inform how I'm shooting it almost as like a pseudo music video where this music's living. But there's no doubt that I had those ideas and those scenes kind of in mind. And then some of them didn't work, you know, once we got back to cutting it and uh, we switched out some other things and some of it did work, but super kind of weird, eclectic, you know, Burt Backrack to Robert Wyatt to, you know, just some crazy B-sides, some like pseudo jazz stuff. So yeah, I think the music's obviously plays a huge role uh, in the whole tone of the piece. Yeah. He said, uh, Dan, he said that you, the two of you both come from heavy music backgrounds. I'm assuming he means specifically the Bob Seger song, that that's your, those are your backgrounds. Heavy music. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> as a, as I, as I'll mention in the intro of this podcast, Ryan has Ronnie Tibbs as a musical moniker. Dan John Miller, of course, is a music maker um, of varieties, usually Americana folk, country, and then Ronnie's got an eclectic indie rock vibe. So uh, you guys are clearly in the film world here through this project. Uh, Dan also off in the audiobooks narration world as well. You still keeping those toes of yours in that music world too? You've got a lot of Got a lot of hats you're wearing here. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it gets tricky to, to make time for everything. And, you know, there's something about, uh, getting too spread out, but that's, I don't know, for whatever reason, that's what I've always done is a few different things and I've been successful. It's been good in some ways, in some ways it's not so good. So I'm constantly trying to get better at it with time management and focusing and getting things done. But I, I I think something like this has been really good because there was so many people involved. So it was almost like, all right, we're booking a show. We got to get the band together. We got to find make a band and find people. We got to rehearse because we're playing the show on this day. So those deadlines always really help. Then that really gets things you know done. And even thinking about like you were talking about the wood paneling and the whole mm-hmm. tone of the the feeling of the office at PAC and. That was, uh, you know, I think Ryan, there was some other place we were going to shoot. And then I, I think like even where we ended up for, for the main part of it was, uh, you know, at the Masonic and that was pretty last minute and the, the Masonic people are always so accommodating and we've, you know, shot Blanche videos there and I've been on some other films that I've uh, acted in shot there. And it's just, it's such a great feeling down there. So our hope is if we can develop this into something, you know, episodic or whatever, um, which we're working hard at, we really would love to, you know, keep the, keep the same core of people, you know, shoot it at the same place. And uh, that would just be, there's just so much talent in Detroit and in Michigan and just with locations and the people and, you know, in terms of crew and actors and everything. So that that's something that we're really striving to do, which would be really fun. Yeah. I think the, the, the support is here. I'm um, just to piggyback. Yeah. And the, and the, uh, how do I put it? Just like the interest and the energy, you know, to do it is really, is really here because 
um, like I said, we do a lot of commercial work and we're grateful for it. And we, and we love that we're able to film and be creative for, for a living. But I think like a lot of people got into even advertising because they're in love with entertainment narratively as much as advertising. And I think there's a narrative market in Detroit and um, I, I think we'll see it come back around maybe with incentives that they're talking about, but I think even with or without them, I know a ton of people shooting short films or movies being filmed in the state, you know, like I said, with or without incentives. And I think Detroit specifically Michigan has that support and that interest to make it happen. I am of course putting the cart way ahead of the horse here, but if you wanted to continue shooting a narrative with Vernon in this universe, would you, would you be a little crafty about keeping, you know, landmarks like the Renzen or what have you out of the frame? You do want to keep this sort of a nondescript universe? It depends. I mean, I definitely want it based in the Midwest. Okay. Um, I'm all right with that. Like the Midwest Noir, the Fargo's, the, uh, like that, that is fine. But I think I like you know, I, I'm not really into like the ruined porn feel like, mm-hmm. you know, none of us are that are from here. Um, but I think like those beautiful art deco hallways that we don't see all the time. Yeah. I, I would try to keep away from some of the major landmarks, but I think just some of those elevators that are just like, you, you look at them in buildings in downtown Detroit and you're like, you step into it and you're like, who spent this much time on an elevator? Right. Um, but those are kind of the aspects of pack that I like. This like beautiful meets strangely weird or timeless or I don't know, something in that era that I think Detroit could absolutely support visually. It yeah. just, there's so much cool architecture. And, and then you go into some offices that haven't been touched since the seventies or, or later, you know, and, um, and that's great too, of course. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is film that I guess the word I want to use is exaggerated realism. Um, sure. And I and I love these anecdotes of these two completely surreal and horrible true story jobs that you both had. <laughs> and that that's at the heart of this is a film about mm, the voice in your head that is maybe screaming, "What am I doing here? How did I get here? And even where can I?" can I get out, you know? So, and I, I like that you bring in that, that maybe Fargo is, is sort of a reference for like the flavor of what's, what's going on here, or maybe just something that is got sort of a bit of a, a bit of a dark atmosphere to it, but there's, there's occasional bursts of sort of mm, surreal humor too. So this is something completely, uh, completely original guys. I found it to be very interesting and dazzling thank in a you, way Jeff you're, thank you you're very welcome to uh, <laughs> i do think like the uh you know one of one of the things we've talked about it, moving forward with it which isn't that apparent you know within the context of the short but is just that uh you know something we both you know talked about is exploring that thing of like reality and just extreme anxiety psychosis where you're you know from the perspective of the character you know as as a viewer watching it not being sure what's real and what's someone is conjuring or you know experiencing in their mind you know so whether it's i don't know more a little bit more modern like in a barton fink way or even like uh, roman polanski with repulsion and the tenant and things like that it just uh, it's just it's such a fun 
in, intriguing world to to be in, mm-hmm. you know. And and I just think there's the other thing we're talking about with uh, moving forward is just that it it needs to be Detroit, you know, even beyond visually, but just conceptually, because we're talking about workers and we're talking about you know us people mass production and the the history of the automobile and things like that even though this isn't focusing on that it is about the worker and you know even even trying to play devil's advocate where you're going for our generation thinking yeah you should just follow your dreams and do what you love and all that sounds great but then you think about and it's you know when people get judgmental about people who grew up maybe during the depression and then in the 50s just were like I'm just going to sit here and work for the same company for 50 years, never miss a day. And it's the most bland company. And then they just have, you know, we're able to buy a house, but you know, for what they experienced, there was such turmoil just to have some stability had to be invigorating to them. And so what's invigorating to one person's experience is not invigorating to someone else who hasn't experienced it. So it's, it's interesting to look at it through other people's lenses, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a beauty in both of those worlds too. I don't think there's like a right or a wrong answer in whatever path you take. I just think how it affects you is uh, <laughs> is is what the conflict comes from in the short, and what it will continue to come from perhaps in the series with a little more uh, mystery. I think too sprinkled in there. But you know, if you're if you're where you're not supposed to be, and it's super apparent to you. Um, that's kind of where Vernon finds himself. And, and I think, you know, even when he speaks with Carol in the break room about this idea of leaving or seeking a life with some real adventure, and she just kind of robotically starts talking about all the great benefits that, that they get there at PACCO um, and completely can't relate. I think that's where there's some humor um, too, because I think, you know, with Dan delivers just some great, subtle, dry, uh, humor things that it seems that I just was cracking up at behind uh, the camera, and I think and too comedically, there was just a lot of funny kind of twists and contradictions in the in the film um, that, that oh, were yeah. really well delivered. I think it was great. I think it was great. And you know, I've I've seen Dan, of course, in other films, and those films are dramas where he's playing it straight. I know he can be very funny. I I pressed play on this, not sure what I was going to get. I got a few chuckles from Dan, but then he, he he gets very extreme too and very dramatic too. He you get you know you get a full spectrum of Dan in this. Or should I say Vernon? You should say no. Vernon. I should. <laughs> uh, well gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to chat with you. Um, we're gonna have a link in terms of where folks can find more information um, about this film and Tibbs Inc. Uh, a few plugs for you uh ronnie tibbs is the musical moniker album came out not too long ago lone fry we have it here in the library and then dan john miller with that connection to the literary world as an audiobook narrator and another local plug did the voiceover work for unburied carol by josh malaman amongst other credits so gentlemen it's been a pleasure thank you jeff yeah thanks for having us it's always a pleasure to 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 sit down and and chit chat idly with you and that was ryan weiss and dan john miller who joined us to talk about the new short film 
Pack Co. This podcast premieres March 31st, but if you're listening to this on April 1st, that means that the film is already available to view. It premieres April 1st. We'll have links to more information about that. We thank those two gents for joining us. It's always good to catch up with them. Two local musicians who were in bands and doing the whole tour thing and the concert thing long before they sort of entered this new era of their creativity where, you know, not only is Ryan writing and not only is Dan narrating audiobooks, but now they're working on films together through Tibbs Inc., which is very cool. Pack Co. is the name of the film. And that is our show. A Little Too Quiet is the name of the podcast. It is brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And the music that brings us in and out of this podcast is by local musician Chad Stocker. If you enjoyed this chat, please share it to social media. If you know of anyone else who might like this podcast, let them know about us. If you've been listening to us, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>